You're listening to The Comedy Cellar, live from the table, on the Riotcast Network, riotcast.com. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Comedy Soul Show here uh, on Raw Dog Channel 99 on Sirius Radio. My name is Noam Dorman. I'm the owner of the Comedy Cellar. I'm here as always with my friend Daniel Natterman. And we have uh, three of the uh, all the employees. Uh, they all work on um, security. I put security in quotes because we don't, not, we don't have much uh, rough and tumble going on down there. But uh, Stephen King... Big Steve, as we call him. Uh, Sean Moore, who is also Steve's uh, uh, nephew. 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 First name. And Andre, Andre, I never knew your last name. Your last name is Garcia? Yes, sir. After all this time, I didn't, I, it's weird. Like, we never use his last name. It's just Andre. <laughs> and, um, you know, I don't do the payroll or anything. So it's like, I, when, when, they, when they said Garcia, I didn't even remember being Garcia. It's so weird. Anyway, so we, we all know each other a long time. And um, I and uh, you know always when there's kind of like racial issues over the years, Steve and I, Stephen and I always talk pretty frankly about this stuff. But I thought in this situation, you guys would be really interesting to talk to because I believe that you guys can see this from many, many different angles. The the, the obvious angle is that you're you're three black men who've grown up. Uh, for the most part, um, uh, dealing with the way black people are treated in New York. But you also do a policeman's-like job. And I believe, although you guys will correct me if I'm wrong, that often when you see the cops react, you see yourself having been in similar situations. And I will say that all the, all the things that we've seen, except for the, um, the, the guy who was, uh, you know, George Floyd, who was just murdered, Leaving that one aside, uh, the other kinds of incidents we've seen very often do remind me of situations that we've talked about down at the club in terms of de-escalating, when to use force, when to let it go. Um, I remember one time I wrote out a rules of engagement. I don't know if you guys remember, you know, and I remember and, it. And some of the stuff I, I wrote remember very it. similar to what they're talking about now, you know, in terms of police reforms. And Andre, I'll tell you this: I met Andre when um, we had rumor, which was like these promoters came in. And Andre, I don't know if you remember this, but there was this white guy who was on the security team then. I guess he was an ex-cop. And he used a chokehold one time. I, was, I, I didn't hire it. And he said to a guy, you're going to sleep now. And he put the guy to sleep. Do you guys remember that, Steven? And I said, what the <laughs> fuck? Yes. And I, yes. and I had him out of there immediately. But that was my first look at the and i thought even then like how routine this must be if this guy was doing it to some guy at a at a club so and so so having said that i'm almost done i also want to say that we're all we're all um i don't like when bosses say that you know everybody's family but i would say this that we know each other a long time and that at the point where we no longer work together i believe that we'd all want to stay in touch with each other and remain contact with each other for the rest of our lives. I, that's how I would characterize the relationship. I, I, I won't put you on the spot, 
But I, I do believe that that's kind of the feeling that we have for each other. It's a very, very long relationship. And um, to people who are, yeah, for people who are listening at home, and that doesn't mean, you know, we haven't had bad fights or differences, but that makes it stronger in a way. So, and for people listening at home, um, you might think no matter what's said here, I don't know, I have no idea what's going to be said, that they might say one thing or another because they're worried about retribution from me on the job or whatever it is. And I know if you want to believe that, you will, but I will just say that there is nothing they could possibly say on this podcast that could be worse than the things they've already said to me in, <laughs> <laughs> in our fights. <laughs> and they will, I don't think anybody's worried about being fired for speaking frankly to me after all this time. I hope that's the way you guys feel. Okay, so, let, so let's, let's take it. So let's start with um, Steve. Um, in, in no particular, uh, from no particular angle, what, what are your feelings during all this stuff going on? Well, I mean, for me, the issue that I have, I've said this before, the, this is not, it's not like this is increasing, like these things are increasing. It's just that we are able to see them as soon as they happen. Some of them were able to see them as they're happening. Mm -hmm. Like everything else, what, what makes it so bad is that we see it as it's happening. We see it and no one does anything about it. The powers that be let it go on or they let it escalate before they decide, okay, yeah, maybe we should bring charges. Like with the George Floyd thing, I've never heard of, what was it, third degree murder? Yeah. I've never heard of it. They raised but it a second, but at first it was third. They were bringing, the, I'm, I'm sure it's, it, it, it's on the books, but they're bringing third degree murder. I'm not going to say that, yeah, first degree, simply because we, that would mean that you would have to prove intent, that he went out specifically to kill this man. But secondary, yes, that's what I think it should be because no matter how you look at it, he was on this man's neck for eight minutes or whatever it was. Then you go to the issue of the one, I believe that just happened in Georgia, yeah. where the cop shot the guy running away in the yeah. back. Yeah. Okay, I get whatever the situation was, you and your partner got into a fight with this guy. You tried to tase him and you fought with him over your taser. One, one, how did you let him take your taser? You shouldn't have, if that was your gun, it'd be even worse because you let him take your weapon and you should be able to retain your weapon. But then you're chasing this man. He turns, yeah, he fires a taser. You know exactly what it was. He missed you and you pulled your weapon and shot him in the back when all you had to do was let him go. You knew who he was. And it's things like that that we have to wait two or three days before they decide to bring charges. That coupled with the fact that if I do a crime, automatically I'm in a room and I'm being questioned. A cop does a crime 48 hours before they can talk to him. How does that work? And no one's doing anything about it. They're not changing that. So, okay. Um, and, and so Steve, Steve's focusing on the police stuff. I just want to go to each of you and then I have a, I have a lot of questions. So Sean, what, what's your feeling these days about everything you know i gotta be honest with you i'm absolutely terrified um and that's because i feel like we're at war um you know like steven said did to piggyback off what he said uh this is not something that's just happening it's something that's been going on for quite some time and we're just capturing on tape on video um but like i said i have two sons that i've got to think about on a, on a regular basis um i don't feel like we evolved like i thought we like i was thinking we did and that's the scary part is when you see what's going on, I feel like police are bullies, you know, and, and, and I, I'm sorry to say not all police are like that, but for the most part, they're bullies. I remember coming home from uh, 
from the comedy cellar from work. My son started working there. He was 16 years old. And we're taking a cab home. And when we got in, the cab driver tells us he's not, take, he's not taking us to Brooklyn. Meanwhile, we're already in the cab. So I told the guy, sir, we're in your cab. Please, you know, um, we're not getting out. We're going to, you know, you have, you have to drive us to Brooklyn. Fast forward, uh, we had, um, we, I called the cops. I wanted to do the right thing. I called the cops. The cops come and known they did not even um, ask any questions. They did not investigate anything. They opened the door, told me to get the fuck out and beat it. I said, officer, I'm the one that called you. And oh, you got to go, get, get another cap. I said, listen, I'm trying to teach my son the right thing to do. I called you guys because this guy refused to take me um, to, uh, to my destination. I wanted to show my son the right thing to do, not get into a stuff with this, with this cab driver. And I called you guys so you guys could be the mediator. I said, you guys have uh, the words courtesy, professionalism, and respect on your car. You guys did not exercise not one of those things at all. And I was like, I was shaken. I was so disappointed. I was hurt. I said, I know you guys, I know your CEO, I know your XO. You guys come to our club all the time. I work right here across the street. And I said, at the end of the day, I said, um, you know, I wanted to do the right thing. He goes, well, you know, sometimes we don't know when things come. We got to be prepared. I said, what about probing? What about uh, de-escalating things? What about trying to find out what's going on? You have no idea. And that's what I said. They're bullies. And it's scary. It's quite scary. Andre? Yes, Norm, I'm here. You want to, could you want to add anything? Yes, well, you know, I took, I uh, piggybacking off of what Sean said, I'll give another from a, a, another angle. On a daily basis, I deal with law enforcement agencies over at the airport. And the, the officers and agents that I talk to are totally embarrassed. They're hurt by what happened with um, George Floyd and the other incident that happened just recently in Atlanta. <clears throat> One of the things that, you know, law enforcement officials have told me is most of their movements are reaction. It's just like you practice martial arts and somebody, somebody throws a punch at you in a playful mode. They react to that punch. It could be you know, a defensive move or it could be an aggressive move. But they, 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 the first thing they told me was, listen, we are hurt by it and we support the Lord um, George Floyd's family. The other part about it is they said that most of the time they have um, a perpetrator coming through the airport or when they go out and do a control delivery or something, most of the, 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 the encounters they they have is because when they tell someone, listen, stay down, the person does not follow the instructions, they decide to get up and run similar to what happens, and that's when it comes into a reaction. But most of the law enforcement officials that I've talked to in the last couple of weeks, they're just in hiding, they just don't want to deal with it. They're embarrassed. They don't even like to say now, listen, wh oh, wh what do you do for a living? Oh, um, I work at the airport. They, they refuse to say I am such and such an agent. I work for such and such agency because they're just scared of the backlash that they're going to get from John Doe public. Dre. So it is, it is, you know, the morale of um, the police department, the morale of customs, the morale of the DEA agents, 
the morale of Port Authority, NYPD, it's really down right now because of what happened with George Floyd and what happened just recently in Atlanta. I I get that. I get that. And see, I was the same way. I was always, you know, well, there are bad cops and there's more bad, there's more good cops than bad cops or whatever. But after everything that's going on and being able to actually sit at home and watch all this stuff and you got to stop watching the news sometimes. But the thing is, I realized that, okay, that's all well and good. These guys are embarrassed. They, they side with us and all that stuff, but they are just as bad. They're, 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 they're culpable as well because they're not speaking out. They're not doing anything. So if they're not part of the solution, they're part of the problem. The 10% of police or the 1% of police that are bad, the 99% is not doing anything about them. They watch their fellow officers commit crimes and they don't speak out. I don't care about this blue wall of silence crap. All that does is make you just as bad as them. I have, like, like Sean, Sean has a son. I have a, I have a, a 17-year-old son. You guys have seen my son. My son, when he was 11, was mistaken for an adult walking into the the underground when we had shown up for something. And I don't remember who was working, but didn't know him. and was like, sir, sir, excuse me, sir. My son turned around and said, I'm not a sir, I'm a boy. Because he was 11 years old. Facial hair. He's going to encounter that in the street. Since he was able to walk down the street by himself, the number one thing that I've taught him was, you know what you got to do, Steve? You know what your, your, your number one right is? Your right to remain silent. Next words out of your mouth is a lawyer. That's it. Because we have to worry about it so much now. And, and, and these, these, these good cops, yeah, I, I, you have a job to do, and I, I understand that. And these guys are doing things that I'm not going to do. Gunshots on 6th Avenue, I'm running to McDougal Street. They're running to 6th Avenue. But you need, they need to step out, and they need to take a stand themselves. Stop hiding. The Serpico days are over. You know, I can understand you don't want to speak out because then nobody will come to your rescue. If there are so many good cops, then you shouldn't have to worry about that. And if you do well, have to worry about that, then they need to leave the job. I mean, you're absolutely right, Steve, when you say something like that, because the, the only reason is I can actually give you from another point of view because I talk to them on a daily basis. No, the, I, I, the, I understand the, the that. One, I'm just saying. Wait, the 1%, the 1% of bad cops is actually higher. It's not, let's just say it's a high, it's higher than 1%. It's more like 10%. Okay. It's still outweighed by the good cops. Right. They are outweighed, but here's the thing. It's similar to what Norm just said. I mean, Norm just said, listen, there's no repercussion for speaking your mind, period. But in that department, there is repercussion because I have talked to officers who spoke out and next thing you know, they're standing on 42nd Street and Broadway on a foot patrol instead okay. of, you know, being, being undercover street crime or what they did before. So okay. there is a sort of repercussion when they speak out. So they, they, they fear that, listen, if they come to work and they don't have their, their, their right equipment, they're going to lose days. They, they're scared that somebody's going to set them up. You know, it, it, it's right. It's, well, Andre, wait, Steve, let me, let me just add to this because uh, see, uh, you want me to, you want it, you, something you really want to get off? Your no, no, go ahead, go ahead. Cause you, no, go ahead. you know this, I don't know if you remember it. So there was this guy, I won't say his real name, but um, he was, um, he was an old Cafe Wa customer and he was, he was an NYPD cop. I've introduced you to him, Steven, I think. 
And he saw, he, w- he was out of uniform, and he saw the cops kicking the shit out of a, a black guy. And it turned out <clears throat> that the black guy was a, like a diplomat at the UN or something from Africa or something like that. He was not a criminal. And he, and, and, they, and they had no reason to be kicking the shit out of him. And not that there's ever reason to kick the shit out of him, but they, they was, it was an act of brutality. And he went and reported the, these cops to the superiors. He did the right thing. And the cops he worked with came down on him so viciously, he eventually attempted suicide. He had a nervous yeah. breakdown. Then, he ended up me- moving to another state. He finally recuperated and went on to, there's a very happy ending to the story. And I don't want to give the happy ending because it might actually identify him because it's such a unique happy ending. But that, that is really real. I mean, and he was, and he was like turning in like a blatant example of police brutality and they turned on him horribly. Go ahead. So, so what, what stories like that, then what it is, is we have no hope. Because that means that no one, because we can protest all we want as, 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 as black folks, as minorities, we can protest all we want, but if the powers that be do not do anything, it's not going to happen. Nothing's going to happen. We're just, we're just spitting into the wind. Honestly, and truly, my, my true feelings on how anything is going to change for, for us in this country is to arm them arm arm insurrection because whoa, 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 that's whoa, the only way fired. anything gets done. <laughs> honestly and truly no. Honestly, it's the only way anything is gonna get done because we don't control the weapons. We don't control the laws. Uh, I you think that try, has to come from the top. That's to come from the but top. Once to again you're you're giving an example of why cops don't come forward. If they don't come forward and report the bad cops, it's never gonna change. We'll get instances instances like like the George Floyd thing, and yeah, they'll jump on it right then and there. Then when it gets out of the fifteen minute news cycle, it goes right back. Wait, so, let me well, hold on, hold on. Let me Juanita. bring it. Um so um Juanita's here. Juanita's here. So, Hi, Juanita. Hi. My friend Coleman, you know Coleman, Coleman Hughes, the, the, the writer. Yes. But, so he wrote, you should, I'll send it to you. He wrote an article this week in um, the, whatever, Man, the Manhattan uh, City Journal that he writes for now. And he did a deep dive into police stuff. And he, he went through like every single case of 2015 of somebody who was killed. And what he found was that remark. Every single story about a black guy who was, you know, treated brutally, there was a story about a white guy who was treated brutally, which says to me something very interesting. Even, even, even though it wasn't 2015, even uh, George Floyd, there's a guy named Tony Timpa who was actually suffocated to death under a cop's knee on his neck in Dallas for, was it, 12? We saw it, 12 minutes. I mean, st- if we were to bring... If we were to get the racism out of it and just bring the times that it happens to black guys down to the level of times it happens to white guys, we would still have a tremendous police violence problem in this country. We have a a tremendous police violence problem, period. It's against everyone. But unfortunately, Noam, it seems to me or whatever, it's a disproportionate thing towards yeah. minorities, toward black folk. And the thing is, when it happens to black folk... It doesn't matter what color... Right. Okay. But when it happens to black folks, 
it seems to get brushed under the carpet or they seem to find a way to get away from okay yeah he was fired but if you look into a lot of these cops after they get they get released from the job they get their pension or they go to another police force in a different country a different state but the problem that we're having known right now is what you just did or what that what that article is doing is this isn't a Black Lives Matter thing. This is an All Lives Matter thing. That's not what we're talking about right now. No, that's not I, the issue that we're doing burning right now. That, no, no, that's that's not what I what I, I I don't I would never say the All Lives Matter thing. That's not, and I'm happy you said that because I give me a chance to clear that up. That's not what I meant to do. What I meant to do was to bring this home to listeners of all races if they think that this is not a problem which affects their people or whatever it is. For them to understand that this is a and and it look if, if you there's a lot of data out there about killing which um, implies that the, the killings are not um, weighted in, on race not about not about day to day there's a lot of data that says that how do how would you describe it then every in in lower level violence roughing up all not sorts you. of it is physical mistreatment yeah a lot of physical mistreatment is 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 clear from the data it happens to black people more than white people disproportionately. It's not clear from the data that actually there's more killing of, of black people than white people. But either way, whether you believe the data, don't believe the data, what I'm trying to say is that don't get too caught up on that issue because however you want to look at that issue, there's a lot of killing, there's a lot of violence coming from cops. And there's really two issues. One is the racism issue. And then there was also um, that even if we clear up that racism issue, which could be defined by getting it down to the level that it happens as white people. Well, no, we still haven't cleared it up because even once we get it happening to all races at the same amount, that doesn't mean we, the problem has gone away. The problem is significant no. even even if you make that much progress. That's what no. I was trying to say. That, but but that's not progress. Even if it, yeah. I get what you're saying. Yeah. Even if we do get an even thing where it's happening to both both races or whatever. No, no, that's a problem, period. It's yeah. especially a problem when it happens and nothing is done about it. There's no consequences. The thing is, like you said, the violence toward or the harassment toward minorities is more so than 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 non-minorities. In and this we country. see that, right? We've all and seen that on the street. Yes, as yes. Now the thing is, I personally, I haven't really experienced it. Other than from the normal person, not from the police, from the normal person, I've had old white women cross the street when they see me. I get into an elevator, they go into the corner, or I'm on a train and they get There's to no the room but the, the corner when you're in the elevator. I'm just saying, I, say, I don't usually experience it with the police simply because of my size. Now, I have been uh, pulled over because I was driving while black. There was no reason for them to pull me over. But then when they meet me, it's like, oh, wait, this is a totally different black guy. But Walking down the street, I've never been, oh, yeah, you fit the, fit the profile. No, never happened. I've never been stopped and frisked. And I've walked down the street all hours of the night, you know, because of my size. But overall, I have a lot of friends, Sean included, that just get stopped for no reason. What about no you? Juanita wants to say something. Yeah, I wanted to say a few things. But, um, uh, <laughs> a few things. All right, kick back, everybody. No. <laughs> <laughs> Noam and I were having this, we have this discussion at home all the time now. And I feel the way that Steve feels, and it, because I think we grew up in a different environment. I'm from Brooklyn, like you guys, and I think we see that harassment 
a lot more and in a different way than these guys would because we we're from the hood. It's different. Okay. It is different. Well, that's why I, I get so upset and I feel like, yeah, we're being targeted. But um, when you come outside of that community, you see it's such a big world and you actually see that they're actually doing it to everybody. It, it, there's a different perspective. But I understand how I feel the same way. That's my first reaction, right? I'm always like, they did that because I'm a colored girl. No, I'm like, oh, no. He, he gets to us. Wait, wait, wait. I say, Juanita. Did you make the right turn? I said no right turn. Yeah, I did, but that's not the point. Like, Lita, I don't think I don't think the cops are, are like chasing Indian women. No, like, that's, that's not my point. My point is, I always feel like they talk to me differently, or I'm being. I feel like it's, I get a different kind of treatment, and not just by the way I look. I because I have that deep Brooklyn accent. Also, by the way that I talk. You know, I'm sure that that's true. And and, and the thing is, I was going to say, that's another, that's another thing of profiling because even when the the, the white folks get harassed for no reason, it's usually how they dress. Wait, wait, shut up. You remember talking? Steven, do you remember when it happened to me? That was rough. And, 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 it happens. Like I said, I've, it's never happened to me. It happened but. to me bad. And, and I was I not, that. and I, and I was the owner of the place, right? I was, I was up against that wall and, and he was tough. I remember that. I remember that. <laughs> but, but my white privilege in that was that I was able to call up the precinct and the guy got reprimanded. Did you see that video I sent you of that Baltimore cop? Uh, that was sort of uh, ex-cop from Baltimore, and he was saying that uh, there's almost no way to drive down the street without committing some sort of infraction that could justify a stop. So if a cop wants to stop you, he, he can come up with a reason. Whether you well, we know that. Put a blinker on because you changed lanes without a blinker. Or, or something I, okay. Last year... Uh, last year, I had gotten off of work from the Comedy Cellar. I get off to work at Comedy Cellar at 2.30 in the morning. I went around the corner just to say what's up to Daniel and Torre, and I was going to leave. But they were having an issue with a guy in the back who was not supposed to be allowed into the bar, but Torre didn't know that. So I went in to talk to the guy. He knew he wasn't supposed to be back in the bar. We had to put him out. In that time, an incident happened at the pool table that I had to deal with. So I was inside for 45 minutes dealing with these two incidences. I had parked my car directly in front of the fat black. I got in the car. When I left, I got in the car, I drove off. I went to the corner, made the right, made the right onto West Wall Street and got pulled over by an unmarked police car. Cop pulled me over. I, you know, I gave him my information. I asked him why I was being stopped. He said to me, he was pulling me over because I was illegally parked on West Third Street. I said, illegally parked in front of the fat black pussycat? He said, yes. I said, that's a legal parking spot after 10 o'clock. From 10 o'clock to 8 o'clock, you can park there. Between 8 and 10, you can't. I said, I've been working there for 20 years, and I showed him my, my I was wearing my comedy stuff jacket. He's like, oh, oh, okay. Uh, well, give me a moment. He went and ran my license and everything. Then he came back. He, then he said to me, well, the reason why I pulled you over is because you failed to indicate and use your blinker when you pulled out the parking spot. I'm like, are you kidding me? That's not what you told me the first time. No, he pulled me over because so I can get into a pretty decent car, whatever. And he had no. Once he pulled me over, he had no reason to stop me. Yeah. There was no well, nothing wrong with my car. Everything was right. Whatever. Okay. Maybe he thought I was drinking, but the moment that he spoke to me, 
he knew I wasn't drinking. I didn't smell like alcohol. I wasn't slurring. Nothing. I gave him everything he wanted. So what Andre. was the reason? He gave me two different reasons. Andre, I've heard, I've heard that same type of story before from, I don't know, recently I heard it somewhere. Andre, did you want to say something? Yeah, I was going to say, I live in the borough of Staten Island. As a African-American in the borough of Staten Island. You should be getting pulled over every day. I was going to tell you that every weekend after leaving the comedy cellar, coming off of the, um, the, the, um, the highway, about half a mile in, I always get pulled over. And they run your plate. They keep you, they, 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 they basically keep you there. They run your plate. They look, they, they, they will test the tint on the windows, everything trying to find. And usually that's before I show them the courtesy shield and other credible information before they say, Oh, well, why didn't you show us this before? And then they would let me go. So me as, as an immigrant coming to this country, ever since I've been here, I've always encountered a form of racism and bullying. And this is, now, now, Steve, you know, Steve Norm, this is nothing against you guys, all right? We are one family. But I'm talking about in high school, it was relentless, right? And yeah. even in Staten Island, you know, I got a, a moving violation, which I won. I got pulled over for making a left from Forest Avenue into Coles. Meanwhile, there were six or seven other Caucasian people making the same turn. They didn't get pulled over. I was sitting there and I got the, 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 the citation, which I eventually won in court. But when you talk about racism, it is blatant. Andre, right? it is blatant. Yes. Uh, Andre how, do you, how, do you, how do you channel that rage? You, it must, there's got to be a rage attached with that. I would feel a rage. I feel, uh, how do you, what do you do? Well, there, there, there is a rage and, you know, Steve, myself, Sean, and the guys, we talk. And they know, like, uh, most of the time, my, my rage is channeled through working out, martial arts, meditation. Because, you know, they will use that sort of, when you, you show them some sort of, like, reaction, they're going to use that against you. And next thing you know, you will be on the floor yep. with, a knee, Always wrong. With, a, with a knee in your throat. You're always going to be wrong. You just yeah, take whatever, wrong. grieve it later in court. There's a motto that an old, old motto that the police department have, which I think they live by. It's a code they live by. It says, it's better to be judged by 12 than carried by six. Well, actually, that, 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 that's a good, that's a good um, thing to talk about. So what that means, if anybody doesn't pick up on, is that they'd rather be judged, better to get um, charged with a crime than risk your safety and get carried by six pallbearers. That's the, that, yeah. uh, that, No, that I get. So wait, so actually, so that's, that's part of it. And you guys know, if, if, I'm, if, I, if I'm nothing, I'm, I'm honest to a fault. And, you know, one of the things that's always, I've always had trouble with this issue um, is trying to figure out what comes from the almost inevitable result of the, you know, the higher rates of violent crime in certain, in certain neighborhoods and certain communities and, and what could be without it. For instance, I was against stop and frisk 
not because I thought the intention was racist. I mean, we know the, the, the violent, the crime, crime stats of shootings. And stuff. We, know, we know that. But that I just, because I know guys like you, I just thought the price was too high to pay to have a whole community of people living under that humiliation of being pulled over, even if the cop is nice, but usually they're not nice, right? And usually you have stress. And I mean, I go through when I'm pulled over, like, is this going to be okay? Is it, you know, and usually they are okay, but from time to time, they, they, they find a way of letting you know that you're under their thumb, you know, and you don't fuck yeah. me. And, and, it, it's an, and, and to go through that 10 times a year, even in good faith, because there's been shootings or whatever it is, you know, is a very, very high price for the law-abiding community to pay uh, to do it. But, but still, that does get weighed in some way. And I'm wondering, do you, like, do, you ever, do you ever look at it from that side and say, well, but I, you know, this is a bad neighborhood, you know? I mean, I, well, they did a study on that. They had a, they had a documentary on these cops. Uh, it's like the, I forgot what they call it, something like the Police 12 or something like that. Um, say what? Oh, so it's about these guys that they're whistleblowers. And basically, they went on a TV show and they stated why um, what they're told to do. They're told to target minorities between a certain age and certain areas. And because they know that they have to either, once you, once you stop them and, and, and place them under arrest, they're either going to um, uh, pay the bill or get, or get locked up. They're going to pay their, their bail or whatever. It's a money generator. And they said that. And they, they are tired of it. And they said, you know what? Um, we started doing this place. So once they um, aired the documentary, they started getting backlash from it. And it was, it was terrible for them. So now let me ask you guys a question. Uh, by the way, I, I have just slowed down here the, um, the Atlanta shooting because I, I want to use it as a, as a, as a la launching off point. And I just slowed down the, 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 the few seconds of the shooting. So just, uh, just, I'm just going to show it. Andre won't be able to see it just so that um, – we can talk about it because Stephen referred to it before. So you guys can see that, right? Yeah. I see it. Yeah. He's, he's okay, there running there. The guy turns. Wait, he's about to turn. He fires the taser. Boom. And now the guy returns fire like that. And that, that all happens. And he's about to fall. That all happens. This is a 25% a, a speed. So that all happens in like a second and a half. So, so just for the... Just for, wait, hold on. So just for the, to be clear, and then, I, and then I want to talk about it. As you can see there, he shoots him in the back, but he's actually, and my thinking on this is not what you might think from the way I'm presenting it, so, so hold, reserve judgment. Um, so even though he's got shot in the back there, you can see he's actually pointing the taser at the officer. Now, I, I at first thought, well, he's pointing the taser at the officer, and if he tases him and he becomes incapacitated, then anything could happen to the officer. But then I, I heard, I didn't realize this, I should have known this, that once the taser is fired, it's no longer dangerous. Nope. It's spent. Nope. So then, then essentially the man is unarmed at the point when the taser has been fired. So then at that point, you say, well, he shot an unarmed man. But then there's, there is another question. You say, well, it happens so fast. Is you know it, it, does the did he already make the decision to fire when the guy was shooting the taser? You know what I mean? Like I don't. You need to you need a neurologist to I, analyze that. Okay. But but then it all. Well, I know I'm talking all the time, but then it all reminds me of something, and I that I want to ask you about. And then you say you can take it any way you want. So one of the things that we have trouble with, 
and you guys have been there. I'll give you an example. We have a policy at the, at the club that if somebody doesn't want to pay the bill and they refuse to give the receipt to the door guy, I tell the door guys what? Let them go. Let them go. Let them go. Don't touch them. Let them go. Let them go. And no matter how many times I've said that, it's, we still have incidents where the door guy gets into it with the, the guy trying to leave, right? And, we, and, and I've learned that there is just at some point, something takes over where you don't want to let the guy get over on you. It's not my money that you're worried about. It's not your money that you're worried about. Oh, ego. It's, it's not your job that you're worried about because you know you're going to get in trouble for not letting him go. And so in this cop here, this, he's arresting this guy for being drunk, by, you know, and, and the cop, and then the, and then the guy's fighting the cops. He, he's, you, saw the, you saw the footage of him fighting the cops, right? Yes. I mean, he fights yes. another one. And it's clear at some point, this cop, training or no training, is no longer reacting as a cop. He just don't, doesn't want to let this fucking guy win. And you guys can identify with that in some way. And I wonder what you can say about that. To a point. Yeah, but to a point. Yeah. We're talking about the use of deadly force. No matter how you look at it, the guy was running away. You fired a gun. Yes, the taser. Once, once that taser is fired, you have to reload it with another cartridge. So once it was fired and it missed, there's nothing that could happen after that. But it's pretty instantaneous, Stephen. It's pretty instantaneous. Yes. And it was a split decision dissection, a split second decision. I've never had to make like that. But I do make split decisions that say, don't hit this guy. Even though, no matter what, I want to hit him. This guy pulled the gun. No matter how you look at it, he knows in his mind, no matter how angry he is, I kill this guy, he's dead. There's no coming back. There's no explaining. There's no such thing as a warning shot in any police department in the United States. You can't do that. It's either shoot him or you don't. So let me let me show it, let me show it in real time just so see No, I know how fast it was. I saw it no, no, I've seen you, it a the, number of times. It's for people it's for people no people are watching it, you know. Yeah. Not, not, I mean we um, so I just showed it in real in real time just to see how fast it goes and taser fired and shot. That's it. That's how fast it is in real time. So it, it's not clear to me and I know this will be in the case whether or not you can actually, I mean, what I think is the mistake is, and you know, you, and you guys can you know, this is exactly what I would have said. I would have said, let him go. You have his yes. car. He's not dangerous. He, you didn't pick him up for trying to murder somebody. You picked him up for being drunk. Just and I let get him that. go. Or just keep chasing him. Now You're going to catch him. Let him go. But what I'm saying is he, you, you don't, you pulled your weapon against, it's like, okay, the guy has, uh, 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 a stick. I'm going to pull my gun. I'm 30 feet away. He's got a stick. I'm going to shoot him because I fear for my life. Really? Yeah. You, you, you see what I'm saying? I well, can see if it was a knife. Let me tell you why I disagree. I'll tell, and then we'll let one eat it. I think he needed to let him go. You know why? Because the truth is, I don't expect the cop to get tased. If he's chasing him and the guy points the taser at him and fire is about to fire it, uh, I, I think the cop has a right to defend himself. But the problem is by, by not letting him go, he's put himself in that situation where he may have to kill this guy with a taser for nothing because he's not a threat to anybody. And you have his car. So you just... You, you, say you know who he is. What's that? I said you should go because you know who he was. The yeah. point it that wasn't I like he was out. unknown. 
Let my, you guys stop talking over my wife. Go ahead, go ahead. The thing is, <laughs> you guys are all rationalizing it after the fact, right? So let's just talk about in the heat of the moment because you guys have worked with me and I work with you for a long time. And you know, in the heat of, in the heat of the moment, you don't think, right? You see me yoke people up, all kinds of craziness in the heat of the moment. So this guy is chasing him and just someone pointing something at you and shooting at you, even if it's not a gun, could give you that reaction of, oh my God, I have to protect myself and shoot yeah. back. But like he pulled the weapon before he shot him. One, he was running with the weapon out. Two, he knew exactly what it was because it was his taser. Yeah, I but, took but it Steven, from him. But Stephen, right, if, right. he, if he gets tased, then the guy could conceivably take his gun and yeah. shoot him. Yeah. That's why I say, I, I, I think the cop has a right. I, I, I understand that, but it also wasn't alone. What's that? He wasn't alone. That fight that he had when he was wrestling with the guy, he was wrestling with the guy. His partner was involved in the wrestling too. It was two on one. I have, I have trouble with saying to an officer that, if a guy if a if a guy resists arrest and and punches you a few times and grabs your weapon and then he points it at you that you can't take out your weapon i have trouble with that but what i what i do think no 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 that's different that's yeah. different no if the guy has an actual weapon if the guy was able to take the cop's weapon and the cop was able to grab his back. That's a different story. But we're talking about a taser. The cop knew exactly what it was. Not only after the guy fired, the guy turned around and ran. He continued running. Yeah. He shot him in the back. That's well, he the shot him in the back. But no, no, no. I play football for God knows how many years. Sean knows this. We teach this when we, when, when, when we, when we teach the kids. If you can't see his face, you don't touch him. Even. In other words, you don't hit him in the back. No, no, but he, to, I mean, from what I can tell, now maybe is that he shot him in the back, but while the guy was still pointing, he was, he was running, but had his neck twisted and pointing the gun backwards. Okay. So usually when you say shot him in the back, like that guy in South Carolina, the cop shot him in the back. It's when, you know, the, the guy's usually shot in the back is shorthand for he was no threat to you whatsoever. That doesn't seem, now maybe I'm not perceiving right. Yeah. Steve, Steve, just to, just, just to make a point similar to what Juanita said when we first started talking about it, it was reactionary because he's running, his training took over, and the first thing he did was muscle memory, grab and shoot. I'm not saying it's right, but I understand See, what Juanita is saying. It was reactionary. But my issue is... Wait, 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 Sean. I mean, Steve, when you're in the heat of the, when you're in the, heat of the, the, the action, and somebody just turn and looks at you, the first thing your training does is take over. Yeah. And what, what okay. you his training he's gonna draw and fire. Right. His why training guys, in the middle of the guys on like hair trigger responses. Like, isn't there fucking job? Right. Hurry out, hurry out, hold on. Let's even talk. Listen, before, just to be fair. But his training said when they first got into the encounter and got into the physical altercation your taser because the guy doesn't have a weapon right they had already frisked him they already knew he was unarmed so his training right. said use your taser to incapacitate him yeah. the training Correct. now the training says okay he has a taser he has a non-lethal weapon i'm sorry uh it's not non-lethal it's uh less than lethal weapon right shoot him with a lethal weapon 
Yeah. Well, Steve, like, I understand the moment. I understand all that. But you I, drew I heard, your weapon while the guy was running away. You're running. You pulled your weapon. Well, Steve, no no, we're not, saying, we're not saying it's right. We're not saying it's right at all. But we just, I'm just, I'm just showing you what Juanita said, and what our training does is the same similar situation. We're not saying it's right. It's just a reaction that was totally wrong. So, so right? Steve, from, from what I read, I think that you can pull a gun on a taser. I believe a cop has the right to pull a gun on a taser. Um, uh, what, what, okay. So here's the next question. So, and this is why kind of what I was getting out before when I, I didn't mean, when I was talking about, you know, the, the different aspects of it. So what I'm seeing there is a universe away from what I saw with George Floyd. With George Floyd, I saw an, a, a guy murdered who was in handcuffs by a sadist. Mm. Here, what I see is a cop caught up in the moment by a guy who did some, you know, who was beating the, you know, trying to beat the shit out of the cop. You know, the, the, the cop was in the right a hundred percent of the time here, right up until he pulled the trigger. Right. I mean, we were, we'd be rooting. No, no. Well, yeah, that, I, I get that. That's my thing. My issue was, I don't think that he should have had the, he should have pulled his weapon. No. So my question is, and this is really where it gets tough for me. I said to myself, okay, now I don't think the cop, I, in the end, I think the cop should have let him go. And I think that, I don't know if you can train it out of him, I, but in the end, he no. did shoot. A, he did shoot a guy who was not armed in the sense that the taser was already spent, so therefore he's not armed. So the next question is now: Do I want to see this cop in jail? No. Well, and there I, I have trouble. I don't. What? Maybe I'm wrong. You can tell me where I'm wrong, but I don't want to see him in jail. I think he should be fired, yeah, should terminated, should or you know, I don't think. I think jail is harsh because he was doing the job. He was performing the duty. It wasn't like uh, the the dude that uh, killed uh, George Floyd. He maliciously did that. I think, like Juanita said, it was a reactionary move. Um, was it right or wrong? I don't think it deems uh, him going to jail because I don't think he intentionally wanted no, to kill it's, that. No, I, I think involuntary manslaughter, whatever, I don't think he should go to get jail. Although, they are, no police officer, as far as I know, it's, it's I believe, no police officer allowed to shoot a fleeing felon. But, um... Yeah, you can. I don't think he intended to murder this guy. I think that, but I don't think he should still be a cop. Right. Yeah, I don't think he should be a cop. I I, I agree, and I don't think that these cops should be reacting in the same way, like Juanita, what you're saying. It's one thing if you or I lose our temper or lose our cool, but like reacting in the heat of the moment, like that's exactly what police officers should not be doing. Ariel, okay, this is this is where Yeah, this is where this is where the anecdotal nature of what we see is um uh uh uh, can be dangerous because and and my and these guys listen, Stephen King I've I've seen people spit in his face and call him the N-word. And he and he did not pulverize. I wanted to break his neck. He wanted to break his neck. <laughs> I, I've seen I've seen him. I've seen him. I, I mean, I I have spoken. He, I, he might know. I have spoken admiringly about Steve King and his self-control so often in my life because I was so proud of him for that ability that I didn't know if I. I honestly didn't know, could I do that, you know? Yet, yet, even Steve, Stephen King has once or twice needed his friends to put their hand on his shoulder and say, Stephen, walk away, walk away. Even, 
even what I'm saying is that even the guy I know on planet Earth who has more self-control probably than any other person I've ever met in my whole life, I have seen him lose it. And um, when you deal with when you deal with tens of, and you can't train it out of somebody, you can just minimize it. When you when you have tens of thousands of cops and hundreds of thousands of police encounters every year, and then you reduce it down to a dozen or so incidents that happen on an annual basis, and you try to draw conclusions from that, it may not be a realistic thing to think you're ever going to get people re overreacting down to zero with training. Training is not real life. No, they need training, yes. They need psychological training as well as physical training for a lot of these things. But the issue is that nothing is being done when it's blatant. When it's blatantly wrong, when it's a criminal act, nothing is being done. Oh, he gets two days on the street. He gets a week on the street, but he's getting a week on the street with pay. So you just gave him vacation. They're not taking his days and paying him. They're giving him his salary, yet he still keeps whatever else. So that's the problem. The, the, well, it's, let, it's, let me ask you guys this. You see how cops, they go through a six month training program. I think that's pretty short. As you think, as you look at other, like, uh, say for example, a beautician, they go through two years of training, and other other um, uh, professions, they go through uh, ex an extensive time, six months for a cop to be placed on the street, and they call them professionals. And I think that's too small of training. I think it should be more extensive. That's a very good point, Andre. What do you think? I think well. I'm, a, I'm in agreement with a longer training period. I am actually for that. But I think what happened is the psychological test could actually be ramped up a bit. Because at some point, they're going to crack under the psychological test because that is that makes or break them when they do that psych test. And if they do the psych test, don't put them on the street. It could well be, you know, we need X number of cops. There might not be enough people that could possibly Hold on. Harry, uh, mute, mute. ask the, the psychological test. Harry, I'll mute Steve until, until he's uh, ready. To, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Dan. Sorry. I'm saying that there, there might, I mean, the, what we're asking cops to do is we're asking them to be soldiers, peacemakers, lawyers, psychiatrists. It's, to do it well is so difficult. We may not have enough people qualified to fill all the police departments. I'd rather have the quality than, than uh, have the quantity and have the quantity um, being the bad guys and making everything else bad. I mean, I think that it should take that. I mean, how what many incidents could be, how many incidents could be de-escalated de by just talking? You know, the other day I seen on the, uh, another clip, on a video of a gentleman in Texas. The guy ran a red light. The cops went after him. Uh, they, they, he, he went into his garage at his own place. He gets out. Cops, six cops have their guns drawn on them. The grandmother comes out oh, I to, try to, I saw to try to find out what's going on. And they still got their guns out. This guy did a traffic violation, if, if anything. Your guns are out for a traffic violation? Dude, Elon told me a story. You should ask him to tell it to you. Elon's a friend of ours, a singer. You know, his father was a, 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 a minister. And he told me a story of some they were driving home from church one day when he was a kid and pulled his father over for some bullshit and had the, and had the guns out, you know, and he, and it traumatized Elon basically for the rest of his life. I, uh, I now, mean, that's now, now having said that, having said that, I don't know what the cop call the cop was answering. I mean, Jersey, Jersey city, especially in the nineties and the eighties, that was a tough place. The cop may have been doing his job. You know, this is, 
but but um, there's a heavy price that people pay that I don't think. I think that's actually to me that's always been the bigger issue of police brutality. I think it's always been miscast as an issue of, an issue of people being killed. I think that's the least of it. Uh, forgive me for if that sounds harsh. I think the real issue is the day to day fucking humiliation that people black guys deal with with the cops. And if they and if they saw the cops as generally professional and and respectful. Then when they saw someone getting shot, they would be like, oh, shit, that's a bad cop. But you wouldn't, you wouldn't be freaking out about the cops because you know the cops. They're generally respectful and professional. But when you know the cops to be bullies, then this is just like the ultimate expression of it. And it breaks the camel's back and, it's, and it becomes an excuse to release all that resentment. But the resentment is not at the shooting that happens once or twice a year. The resentment is at the way you've been treated your whole life by the cops without getting without getting shottery, without even being beaten up. That's the fucking way they treat you every day. Is that, does that sound right? Yes, yeah, I, I, I agree. The, the, the commissioner of police did something really remarkable. I think everybody remembers this. What he's doing is disbanding the street crime unit, right? And I think most of us remember back in the 80s, late mm -hmm. 70s, early 80s, community policing. Yes. When, when the, the cops were part of the community, and right, they know who owns the store. They need to increase that some more. They need to. I agree. They need to start doing that again. Get to know the neighborhood. Get to know the kids in the neighborhood. I mean, I remember right. back in the eighties. I knew the cops about the car. My name. Right there, you go. They used to be in the basketball court in my Morris. Yeah, you're hundred percent right. Everybody, you know, that needs to be increased because most of the cops they don't have no relationship live, with anybody. They have another no thing with anyone in the city they work in. They live in the Long Island areas. They live in the, the upstate areas. They know the people up there, but they don't know the people where they're working. Mm -hmm. So... Hey, let Juanita talk they, real quick before you go, because she's been waiting mm -hmm. to talk for a while. Yeah, 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 yeah. I agree with everything that Andre is saying, and I think he hit on something that people are not talking about. Because even these city jobs, police officers, it, down to nurses, all these people who see these kind of trauma every day. It's not just, uh, it, there should be an ongoing psychological assessment. There should yes. be a right. quarterly assessment for these guys because they're all I agree. dealing with all kinds of craziness. For wives too. Okay. That, <laughs> that, 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 I agree. So, and the other thing is, like, they're, they're fighting for this funding the police. Like, it's so idiotic. What we really need to do is deunionize the police, and they need to not police themselves. Oh, this is great. So defund the police. So what I said, hold on, Ezra Klein was this like a left wing uh, uh, egghead, uh, uh, you know, right? He's, he's a very, very smart guy, but he's like one of these typically totally sheltered guys. He, he wants, when there's a fight, he saw a fight between two homeless guys who were kicking the shit out of each other, he wrote. And uh, he said he wanted to call the cops, but he was afraid of how the cops might treat them. So he chose not to. And he said, I wish I could just call out a mediator. So how do you guys, how do you guys feel if the next time we have a bar fight, <laughs> that instead of, a, is, that we defund the cops and start calling out mediators. Is, is that, what do you think about that guys? The, the mediators right. are going to end up shooting people. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to show up with guns. Yeah. Can you, so, I mean, can you believe how stupid, and this is where real life. You only have two cheeks. 
people are so stupid. I mean, they, we are all very lucky, all of us. I say this all the time because our life experience and the way we are with each other, we actually know a lot about a lot of, we can see this from a lot of angles. That's why, that's why I really want to talk to you guys because you guys can see it from the angle of being scared, of fighting somebody, of getting carried away, of calling the cops, needing the cops, but fearing the cops. Like you, you guys get all that. Um, and, and, you know, my life, I, 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 but you know, some of these writers, they don't have, they probably don't, black people are literally something they read about in books and in and newspapers. Like these, they, they don't have any life with black people. They think that all black people want to get rid of the cops. I'm like, I didn't speak to you guys. I know you guys. I mean, you could tell me if you do want to get rid of the cops. No, yeah. no, no, not at all. I mean, the notion they that do they would keep back the chaos. I'm about to call the cops in five minutes. These guys outside my door, so I know. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, the notion that they would think, "Oh yeah, I'm, we want we, they black people want no more police." No, they they demand oh, they demand a correct police department, but they That's but they, they still need somebody when they're in trouble. It's so funny I because a, my white friends they, they they basically like shocked. Like you know the, the term woke. Yeah, a few of my white friends. Friends, like devastated, Sean. I, I, I'm not trying to be funny. I had no idea that's what you guys look. And I actually tell them all the time. There's one guy in particular. I send him the videos all the time of things that happen. I'm obsessed with uh, with the videos, by the way. I'm obsessed. I need a job so we can start. <laughs> but I'm obsessed with YouTube and watching all these uh, videos, not for the for the purpose of being angry, but for the purpose of seeing what's going on in the world and what's going on in other places. New York is not as bad, guys. It's really not as bad. Yeah. As, as the other uh, uh, states like uh, Minnesota and all those other guys like that. But with the, at the same token, my white friend was like, Sean, I, I really did not have any idea. I, I didn't think it was as bad. He goes, now I'm actually seeing what's going on and it's not right. So more and more people are starting to be uh, understanding about things. What about your son, Sean? Has he had any bad experiences? Yes, he has ha had a few bad experiences. That's why I'm so terrified. I'm terrified. He had a bad experience when he was driving to school. And, but actually it turned out um, good. The cops pulled him over. Um, Sean says that he always keeps his, the name of his college on the car. He makes sure that um, he follows the instructions, keep his hand on the um, steering wheel when he gets pulled over. But you got some guys as good cop, bad cop. And one cop in particular was kind of rough with them. And the other cop recognized that, oh, this guy is, is a student at SUNY Westbury. Found out he was in a fraternity. And in order to be in a fraternity, people know that you got to have good grades. You have to make sure you know, you got you to gotta do a lot of things to get into the fraternity. It's not like, you know, you just take anybody off the street. So the guy was like, hey, we're turning you in. And it turned out to be a good thing. But my son said he was terrified. Can you imagine getting that phone call that your son got pulled over and, and was thrown down and, and needed? How, how, much, how much better are black cops than white cops? And then, sorry, Perlin. You know what? I got to tell you something. White, black cops are bad, too. There's a lot of black cops, uh, black cops out there. That you agree with that, Stephen? Ice Cube said it, black police showing out for the white cop. But yeah, they can be, sometimes they go a little overboard. What and they, and they, they don't always do it as in like, oh, you do it. No, it's like, yo, brother, you know you're supposed to, I'm not your brother. Because if I was your brother, then you know that that's not me. I'm not the guy you should be pulling over. Nah, black, so, cops, black cops are bullies too. They're what about you, Andre? What's your feeling? I agree. I black cops, uh, Similar to what you, the point you made earlier, they put, they're trying to protect themselves and don't get chastised by their fellow officers. They're going to do, they're going to follow whatever the, the locker room says. That's what they're going to do. Right. You know, they don't want to be, 
they don't want to be left alone in a gunfight or they don't want to be left alone in a dark alley. So they're going to follow their, their white officers. Periel? I mean, to me, part of, I mean, all of this is very disturbing. It's disturbing that white people are surprised to see that this is going on. Um, I mean, I grew up... They'd be surprised at your problems too, Peria. But, you know, one of the things that I find particularly insidious is that white kids don't have to think about the things that your son... Sean is thinking about, you know, that a college student who's white, who's driving around is not thinking, oh, I should put a sticker on my car so that in case I get pulled over, the officer knows that I'm a university student. Like that is so deeply fucked up in this country. And that I think is the thing that is lost on so many people. and you know, this idea that cops are bullies, well, they're only bullies depending on who you are. Like, I've never been bullied by a cop. Cops have been super nice to me my whole life. Well, that's also because women can hit cops, apparently, you know. What? And I'll, and I'll tell you something else. I'll tell you something else where I, where I do tend, I mean, New York, we all lived in New York when it was the, the Wild West. And, and, and in those days, when, we, when people were getting murdered, I mean, I don't know if you guys were still around then, but when my father got mugged at gunpoint on 3rd Street, Ava got mugged and had her head smashed into the ground on 5th Avenue, Juanita got mugged, Every, waitresses were getting mugged, people were getting beaten up. I mean, there was all sorts of stories. In those days... I had a lot more instinct to defend the cops. I'm like, well, what are they supposed to do? You know, like they, they got to they go out. I mean, but now that, that, I mean, I haven't heard knock on wood about anybody that we know being the victim of a violent crime in a long, long time in New York. So you would really think now's the time, like it's not, it's not that much excuse for it anymore as opposed to like in Chicago, like where just two weeks ago they had 18, 18 shootings in one day or 18 killings. Yeah, crazy in, out there. Like, yeah. you know, in those, in those, in that area, if the cops are pulling over a guy driving, I'm going to say, well, you know, who am I to say the cops? I mean, they got 18 murders in one day. They got to pull over somebody if they want to investigate this shit, you know? So, so I, a lot of it is time and place, but I have to say that in New York, that excuse is less and less valid. But on the other hand, we all do see it happening less and less in New York as well, I think. Yes, like Sean said. Yeah. Sean said that, it, that, that, that New York is not as bad as other places. But I want to talk or, or get on what, what Periel said on top of what Sean said about the cops being bullies. The problem, the reason why I, I see them being bullies or whatever, a lot of these cops, first off, are way too young. This whole, in order to be a police officer, you need... Uh, 60 college credits as if this is going to make a Sparta cop. No. All it's doing is giving these kids, okay, I can go half, get, go to school for two years and I can get this great paying job just to, to till I find something else. They don't test for cowardice. They don't test for, for racism. And they don't test, like I said, for bullying. A lot of these kids didn't make the football team. They were bullied in school or whatever. To be a police officer, all you have to do is get those college credits, pass the test, and pass the physical, which isn't hard. 
So hold on, hold on here. It's worse than that, Stephen, because a lot of these people become cops because they want to bully. Yes. It's attractive. Yeah. And my thing is, if you look at, I, I think that they should allow older people to become cops. They have an age cutoff. And the age cutoff 35. is like, yeah, I, I, listen, if you are a 40-year-old man and you are capable of doing physically what the 20-year-old did, that physical and all that, why can't you become a cop? I think that that guy, if testing is right, is more level-headed. Okay. Than the than the the, the twenty two year old yes. who you're going to take who who grew up in Staten Island in in um in, in the suburbs of Staten Island or whatever and stick him in the middle of of, of Brownsville. Okay, let's and wind let up. Me ask, let me ask. Can I can I ask the panel a question? So, yes. yeah. According to what you know, I mean, I totally agree with it. Do you think this is a question to the panel? Do you think if cops were living in the neighborhoods? similar to where they were patrolling, do you think they would be better? Way better. I yeah. think they would be better, but one of the reasons why they don't allow it, and I get it, I is graft. Because you're in the neighborhood, you're more susceptible to 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 do things that you shouldn't be doing. That's but back in the 70s like and 80s, they actually lived in the neighborhood. And that's yeah. why they changed it, because there were a lot of cops that were doing things in their neighborhoods that they should not be doing. Well, that's interesting. Now they're doing in other neighborhoods that they shouldn't be doing. Steven, <laughs> yeah, that's, but, but, that's, that's very interesting, because we might have we, we might have traded, well, there was more violence in those days, too, yeah. actually. But listen, here's, here's, here's my, I want to I wind it up, because we're over time. So we all know, like, the cops that, that we call when we're in trouble and we depend on and we're friendly with and they hang out and, and they're good guys and they, and they might hear this and they might be mad at us for some of the things we're saying. So what would you want to say to those cops that we know if they heard this whole conversation? Would you want to say, you know, just... Well, to be honest with you, the cops that I know, they're pretty much, they, they're pretty much well-grounded. You know, these guys grew up in the hood, like Juanita said, you know, they, they're familiar with it. They're the guys that was victims. Actually, I have cop friends that are victims. They, they get stopped themselves, and they get very pissed off. What I would say is that the, to the cops that I know, guys, I'm definitely not talking about you guys. I'm talking about uh, bona fide bullies, guys who don't have any kind of communication skills, guys who just want to sit there and just, uh, you know, pump their chest, guys that want to sit there and let you know they're their authority figure. Those are the guys I'm talking about, not the guys who actually go out there and put the uniform on, we appreciate you guys 110%, guys. I'm not actually directed to you. It's to the guys that are bullies, that are, they call themselves being feared, they call themselves being scared, do another job. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I must add to it. I'm just, you know. Well, I, I was going to say. Because the cops, I mean, how many times has the cops saved our ass? Yeah. I, you know, yeah. I, 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 I what Sean said. I just, I, I I just want to add, I think that, those cops and cops like them, they need to somehow find a way to seek out cops like them and somehow voice or yeah. find a way to voice what they see that's going on. If you see yeah. something going on, find a way to report it. If you could do it anonymously, yeah. if you could, whatever, but somehow that's find a way the, yeah. to clean that up. That's the thing that seems to be really, really serious, like crisis level, like from the inside of the system, there has to be a way, like you got to get rid of these guys. You cannot have a police force that 
the good guys are scared to out the bad guys for fear of retribution. Like that is- They got to break the union. They, they got to bust the union. the union. They got to bust the union. Enough with the yeah, union. The, Unions don't do good that's right. almost anywhere. I mean, they did good in, 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 you know, when, when people were working 80 hours in coal mines. Yeah. But uh, I haven't seen anything much good of unions, especially public unions. And by the way, once they finish with the cop unions, they should get to the teacher unions where they protect bad teachers just like yeah. they protect bad cops. Uh, uh, Andre? Yes, I, I agree. I'm just piggybacking off of what Sean and Steve said the, to, to, the, to the guys that are out there that's actually doing the job. You know, I, I personally want to say thank you, you know, and keep up the good work. I just hope that the, the, the police department put in place some sort of protection for the, for, for the ones who want to speak out because there are guys who want to speak out, but they feel like they're not protected. That's all. Well, I know that that's true because I've, I've tried to get some cops to come on here and they agreed at first and then uh, three different ones. They, at the end at the last minute, even anonymously, I said, I wouldn't even tell Perry Ellen Dan their name. And they thought it was just too risky to do it. Um, and, uh, about a retired still, cop. what's that? Retired. No, cop. no real cops. Real, well, one retired. What about a retired cop? Yeah. Uh, it's just, they're still real cops. Um, it's, it's hard for them. And, and, and what makes it even harder is that, as we know, is that it's not two clear categories. Sometimes the bad cops are the good cops. Like the, 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 the cop was really, like the good cop who helped, the guy who helps us, he knows us, and, and maybe even be brave and risk his life for us, can also be the guy who bullies somebody in another neighbor, you know, the next day, you That's know? That's true. That's true. Yeah. So. Just happens but, to like us. Yeah. All right, well, fellas, I, I, unless anybody has anything they want to add, uh, any kind of about any anything at all that you're feeling, I know it's an emotional time. Uh, I just want you to sign that. I just want you to sign that uh, that clause that you can't fire us. That's all. I'm gonna talk to you right now. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to say that I miss all you guys. I miss. You guys. I can't yeah. wait for this to be yeah. over and get back. Yeah. Yeah, I want to. Yeah, and you know, to add on top of that, you know, I want to say, you know, thanks to you guys for the norm and um, the host for putting this together because this is something that was well worth it. It's a platform that we could voice our opinion. And again, that's progress because who would have thought that years ago we would have had this platform to voice our own opinion and not get, um, you know, not be bullied against for speaking our minds. So thank you, Norm. Thank you to the yeah, host. Absolutely. You know, I miss you, Sean. I miss you, Steve. Miss you too, brother. You guys are the best. I mean, we, 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 and we don't just say it's your face. We always say behind you that how lucky we are that we, I mean, we have, we have been so fortunate in the guys um, that, that we've worked with. And it's just a very nice thing. And it's, I hope it continues another 20 years. Uh, Steven, I don't know, you know, I, I don't know what we're going to do. We have to prop you up at 80. You do realize that Dre is older than I am, right? Yes, Dre is older than me. Well, I look better than you. Oh, wow. <laughs> no, you see better than me. That's about it. Dre is stronger than all of us, too. <laughs> Come on, now. You see all of this silver? I'm dead sexy. Look at me. Hey, Steven, how see? many ideas do you think you've checked in your life? <laughs> oh, oh, my God. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> Steve, we're actually the same it. age, okay? Steven okay, Dre. <laughs> Dre, you know you're 61. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and you're you're sixty one too. 
And I, is, hey, is little Steve there? I can't believe he's 17. He was like 12 the last time. I know. Can he, can he come on? Can we see him? He, he might be. Are you playing? Come here for a second. You got it. <laughs> he's bigger than Steven. That actually is little Steven right there in front of us. <laughs> they, all, they got gnome and Sean. Oh, my God. <laughs> got a full beard and everything. No, Steve, How you doing, Steven, man? Go to Steven with the court. Because he didn't believe that little Steven was his. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get a paternity test, Steve. I tried. Right away. <laughs> the judge just said, get out of my court. <laughs> <laughs> all right, fellas. Be safe, all right, everybody. Guys. All right, you too. Bye, everybody. Thank you, everybody. So Thank you guys. Thank you. For you. One of my favorite Hi. Hey! <laughs> Where's what? your daughter? Where's that? They say. <laughs> See her, too. Come here. She was just standing here. Hey, Come here, Stacy. No, this is like a supermodel. She's tall too. Oh, she went back to sleep. <laughs> Never mind. Stacy gets up. She's back to sleep. She gets up at like three o'clock in the morning every day. <laughs> she's tall too. Yeah, she's tall also. She's like five foot seven, five foot six, wow. five foot seven now. Wow. She dwarfs her mom. Gorgeous. No, when I come back, I want to try out for the comedy uh, show. I want. I've been working on my material. All right. <laughs> I'm water cooler funny. I'm not up on that stage. All right, all right, Sean, you got your first laugh. Thanks for your water confidence, Dan. All right, guys, I'll talk to you guys later. Bye, everybody. Bye. One of my favorite bye. episodes ever. Bye, bye. Bye, bye. bye. Thank you. Wait, and you can, if you have questions uh -huh. or comments, Dan. Uh, at comedy set podcast at comedyseller.com for comments, suggestions, questions, and hellos. And when can we see this? Okay. Right away. I'll there? email it to you guys. And you can right, follow good. us um, at, at Live from the Table. Thank you guys so much. You're both amazing. Thank you guys. Thank you. I love you guys. Take care. I love you guys. Bye. Love you too.